morning, church family. Oh, that's a good welcome. Good morning. Good morning. You guys all look good. Can we turn the lights up so I can see all the happy faces, pretty faces? Beautiful. Beautiful. Glad you guys are in church today. Everybody glad to be here? Uh, we, we started with a little eventful, you know, start, and, um, you know, we're, we're better for it. Amen? Those, you know, when we get little distractions, little challenges, um, my daddy taught me, to, you know, we, we're called to live an overcomer life. Can I have an amen? When you, as an overcomer, that means you've got to come over some stuff. So how we respond to little attacks and distractions and challenges, you know, is, is really reveals, uh, you know, our relationship with God. I would say, you know, adversity, it, a character's not made in adversity, it's revealed. It's revealed. So we get to see kind of what our, our metal, you know, what we're made of in moments like this. So I appreciate my team did a great job responding. We'll be even better next time, you know, on how to communicate and get ready for things. It's just how our team rolls. So I'm I'm really proud of our, uh, our staff and our dream team. Can we give it up for them real quick? So good. Can we also give it up for our worship team? Are they incredible? Unbelievable worship team. I think the fire alarm was still going off inside of them. You know what I'm saying, somebody? <laughs> Turn your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Okay. Listen, um, if you're new to Connect, um, I'm going to do my best to communicate a lot of information in a short period of time. Um, but I really want you to have an encounter with God. I really want you to have an experience with God. And so I'm just going to pray. I know we pray a lot in church, but that's okay, right? Let's just pray a special prayer over this portion of the service. Amen. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, as we just pause for a moment, that Holy Spirit, you come in this place in, a, in another measure, in a new way. Arrest our minds from all the distractions and things that pull us in different directions, all the voices that compete with God's voice. Arrest our minds. Lord, we give you our heart. We just ask that you speak to us, Lord, not just in, in intellectually and, and with information, but Lord, speak right down to our heart. And we thank you in Jesus' name for this opportunity. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Well, um, thank you, thank you, brother. Uh, I'll call you pastor. If you want to be a pastor, you just let me know. I'll ordain you right now. Uh, I met a guy yesterday at a wedding I was at. He was, he was, uh, he was he said he's pastor since he was 16 years old, and he was called out of a service. He was in a youth service, so some of you just imagine this. 5,000 people in a room. He's up in the balcony, and the pastor who's speaking gets a word from God. We call it a word of knowledge, and he literally, God gives him the guy's name. He says, your name is such and such. I want you to come down here. And the guy, when he heard his name, thought, wow, there's several other people with the same name as me. That's amazing. And so then he even went so far as to say, I think you're right up there in the balcony somewhere. And so anyway, he finally figured out it was him. He comes down, and he, he kind of speaks a word over him, and he says, God's called you to be a pastor. And, um, and he says, I'm going to anoint you with oil. And so this was old school. This is back, back in the wild, wild west of the charismatic movement. And so they poured oil literally over his head like he was soaked in oil, like right all over his clothes. And then he prayed for him and said, you're a pastor from now on. <laughs> the guy didn't even have a Bible yet. He didn't own a Bible. I was, I was crazy. But anyway, that man is still in ministry today. And uh, he's my friend. And I was just thought he became a pastor publicly. So where'd he go? Oh, you don't want to be a pastor. I was, I was going to try it. I was going to try it. He ran for the hills when he heard the story. Get out of here! He might anoint me with oil. Anyway, today is um, what I've titled Sunday Best. Turn your name and say Sunday Best. Sunday Best. 
I was born and raised in church. I went to church pretty early in life. Uh, my daddy's a converted atheist, but most of my life uh, I experienced, uh, you know, a Christian home. And uh, I call it BCAC, before Christ, after Christ. But after my father came to Christ, we were church people. We went to church every weekend. I mean, you didn't miss church in my family. We went on vacation. We still found a church, you know. And as long as they believed the Bible, we'd show up, you know. And so church, we were just church people. Um, and anyway, I remember, um, you know, that when back in the day, we would always have to wear our Sunday best. My mother still does. She's directly in front of me in the, in the middle back here. Uh, she, we call her Zsa behind the scenes because she's always looking kind of, you know, Zsa is looking really good. You know, help me with my jewelry and my nice coat. And she's all, she looks awesome all the time. My mom's a beautiful woman, you know, and you wouldn't know she's only 60. And uh, that's a joke. But anyway... She looks that way. But we always had to bring our, bring our best, wear our best when we went to church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We'd have to wear a coat. Back in the day when I was early in ministry, I had a lot of suits. and every, every, You had to come to church with a suit on. You know, you know, I, had, I have all these cufflinks in my, um, in my jewelry box that I never wear. But that was like normal. You have cufflinks. You have a gold bracelet. Now I got plastic bracelets. And, and, um, and then there was a season with no suits. You know, it was just like showing up, you know, T-shirts, sweatshirts, you know. And still do that once in a while. J3s. Come on, somebody. You don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. But, uh, but there's every now and then you got to wear your best, right? And it's, it's, what I loved about that was on one hand, it made other people who couldn't dress like that feel bad. So that's why we don't do it. We kind of, we, we want people to, like, if you want to wear your Sunday best, you feel okay. If you don't have something nice, you feel okay. So as a leadership, typically, we dress right down the middle. But once in a while, you got to bring your Sunday best. You know what I'm saying? And, but behind, the, the motive behind it was we bring our best to God on God's day. And so this message is really uh, related to this, this season that we're in and this series that we're in. We're, today is the day we bring our best offering to God, Amen. our Sunday best. Amen. Now, we only take an offering one time a year. So if this is your first time to church and they're taking an offering, I don't know what to tell you. God's trying to tell you something. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it. They're always after your money. Sure enough, here they are coming hard with the giving thing. No, this is just one time a year we do this. And we just, like Pastor Josh said in seniors, we go all in on that day. Amen? And so this is what we call our legacy offering. And this offering accelerates the vision of Connect. Everything that we're doing, we're going to do it anyway. We can just do it faster with this offering. Amen? And so there's a couple of tools that you got. Um, on your seat. Now, one of them is a blue envelope. And so if you decided today to give a physical offering, that means like cash offering or a check, you put it inside this, this envelope, okay? And you would mark that legacy. But that blue envelope tells us that is your legacy offering. Most people don't give physically. They give online. In this church, over 90, 95% of our church give online. And so if you don't know that, that's that's a great way to do it. I'm a reoccurring giver, so my tithe is just set up the first of the month. And then when I bring an offering, I go in special online, and I select an opportunity where I give a one-time gift. And I always do it online. It's just, just easy. But it's a form of worship for me, not a business transaction. So later in the service today, at the end of the service, our, our altar call, our final kind of moments, our worship response to today, uh, this is the tool that you will use. And so if you are prepared... If you have if you thought it through, if you talked it through, 
uh, with your spouse if you're married, with your family, or just you and God, more importantly, have prayed and thought about what is your commitment this year to the Legacy Offering. I'm asking you at the end of the service to put it on this card, and during our final song, you will bring this response, this commitment card, to the front. There'll be offering boxes at the front, and you will put this card, this is my commitment, this is my offering uh, for, uh, uh, before God in response to uh, what he told me to do, and you put it inside that box. So I just wanted to let you know what that is. I'll spell it out a little bit more at the end. Are you with me already? Yeah. Okay, so what I want to do, though, is I want to wrap up today's series. Uh, we've been in a, this is the third installment of a series we call Common Sense, C-E-N-T-S. So common sense, S-E-N-S-E, my daddy used to say isn't so common anymore. Like we don't have, a lot of people have lost their common sense. But the truth is in the church, a lot of people have lost common sense, C-E-N-T-S. We don't understand biblical finance very well. We don't understand the principles of God's word as it relates to our resources. And so we dedicated an entire series uh, to this subject, and we typically do that about once a year. So we talk about resources like basically one time a year other than some brief commercials and, and testimonies throughout the year. So the, so the theme text for this has been First Chronicles chapter 29. Let me paraphrase it for you um, in, in kind of PD's own words, okay? The first part of this verse basically says that God is large and in charge. The middle part of this verse says he's awesome and perfect. And the last part of this verse says that everything in heaven and earth belongs to God. It's his. Are you with me, everyone? So this scripture is basically saying that whether it's there or here, it's all his. So we learned from this text and others in the previous weeks that we are not owners of anything. Everything we have is on loan. And we are simply stewards or managers of the resources that he has allowed us uh, to, to handle and, and to protect and to grow and to give. Are you with me? So if you believe that God is the master of the universe, if you believe he's the Lord of all and not just Lord of some things, if you believe he's the beginning and the end, if you believe he owns everything in heaven and earth, it should affect the way you live. It should affect what you do. And so we came up with a big idea. And the big idea is how you see it will determine how you use it. What is it? Resources. How you see your resources will determine how you use your resources. And so what I wanted to do first is I wanted to reflect. I wanted to look back a little bit and show you how Connect Church used its resources. Because how we see them has determined how we use them. Okay, and I'll say this, what I'm getting ready to present to you is kind of a, um, it's, it's like a, a giving update, you could call it that, but really, I'm like, if you're part of this church and you're committed and you're a committed contributor to this church, I, in essence, represent our leadership as your broker. Hang with me for a second. I take the resources you give a portion of those, I try to get the highest possible return by sowing those resources into other uh, strategic areas so that when you get to heaven, you get high rewards. When you stand before God, you won't just get into heaven because of the salvation decision you made. You'll, once you get into heaven, receive rewards because of what you did here on earth with the resources that you sowed. Amen. Are you with me, everyone? So I want to just give you a quick report on that. Uh, first of all, I'll say this. Um, we are a tithing church. A lot of churches don't do that. What does that mean? It means you tithe, some of you, as individuals, and you experience the blessing and favor of God because of that. 
we, we decided that if that works in our individual lives, it could also work in our church. And so for many, many years, my entire pastorate, uh, as a senior pastor, we have been a church that gave 10% or more of our total budget into missions. And we gave, we'll give 12% away uh, this year. With no exception, we've continued to do that into other ministries. Amen? Amen. That's not including the legacy offerings. Uh, the legacy offering last year was about $326,000. That's over and above our tithe as a church. You guys understand? So uh, uh, that's, that would be... That, that I'm just talking about the tithe of our church right now. Is everybody with me right now? Okay, so... Um, when I was opening the series last two weeks ago, I talked about how do we break the power of the spirit of mammon on our life? How do we, in essence, break control? And one of the things that I was trying to teach you was the best way to do that is by tithing. <laughs> tithing breaks that control, right. that mammon, that false right. God, that strong, demonic, false spirit wants to control you. In fact, it's always speaking to you. It talks to you. It tells you that you'll, have, you'll be happier. You won't have worry. You won't have anxiety. You'll be better if you have this next day, this nest egg. You'll be, you'll be better off if you don't do that, but you do this. Don't give to that. And, you know, keep this for yourself. It's always speaking, okay? And so how do you break that? You tie. It breaks the spirit of mammon. And so I think it breaks, and it puts favor on your life, and I think it does the same thing uh, in our church as well, and I believe it has. That's why I think we've, we've been able to prosper out of a pandemic, even through the pandemic, yep. even through the pandemic. doesn't even make sense. Amen. So we, there's going to be a pie chart that goes up and, and you're just going to see percentages. I'm not going to get into dollars because that can be confusing. I might, I might throw a few numbers around, but I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to emphasize amounts as much as to get you to see uh, allocations and percentages. But we give to pretty much three strategic areas, local, domestic, and international. Can you put that pie chart up, please? And here's, here's kind of some story and some data about, uh, about this. So the 12%, that's kind of broken up into those percentages, okay? And there's different partners. We have many partners that we go deep and long with. We don't just... Um, kind of wait for somebody to send a piece of mail in or some person walks in off the street. We have relationships with all of these partners. One of those in the local arena is Women on a Mission have done a small group in and through this church for almost two decades, I think, now. There are women in this room that serve through that, and there are women in this room who come because of that. This is basically an Ashland Women's Shelter where we, uh, we provide spiritual care but also financial resources. We give every year thousands of dollars to help offset expenses and, and meet and just give general assistance to single moms and widows. We've been doing that for many years. Amen. Just an example. On a national level, for example, um, we did a conference this last year. I'm just telling you where some of the money has gone this last year. We did a, what's called the Relate Conference. We did it in October. Relates. This entire building was filled with pastors and leaders from all over the region, not from this church, but from all kinds of other churches. So your church served other churches, and we sowed thousands of dollars into those other churches, bringing in the best of the best, teaching and equipping. And we had over 75 leaders from this church serve on a Tuesday, a whole day, giving their day off to make that possible. Can I have an amen out there? Uh, in addition, in the national area, just another example, and these are just some of them because I don't have time, but the Association of Related Churches, the ARC, we have been a partner of the ARC for almost 20 years. 
the, when you give, to, when you tithe here, we give a percentage of our total budget we give to planting churches. 2% of our budget goes to the ark. Our total budget, 2%, okay? And so just this last year, because of the contributions of this church sowed into the ark, we planted 63 churches, 63 life-giving churches, 11 of those in other countries, okay? And now the ark of which we've been a part the whole time, sowing this whole time, has planted 1,057 churches. So, so since 2000, we broke, we broke 1,000 churches in 2000. So when, let me just pause for a second. When you get to heaven one day, there are going to be people who got saved in churches that are going to come up to you, shake your hand, and thank you, and say, because of your giving to Connect Church, I got saved. My, come here, family. I want you to meet, I want you to meet so-and-so. But this is the guy that was tithing in that church, and because of that sowed seed, we're all saved and here right now. You should thank him. That's what the Bible says is going to happen. The Bible says that, everybody, not just Pastor Derek. Are you with me, everybody? Okay, so we gave a lot of money to church planning. Um, in Florida, when there was a hurricane, we wrote a check. Bam, here you go. Um, when, oh, we had a, a church planter, of which I'm a pastor of a church in, uh, in Maine, Wyndham, Maine. They had a building fund, and they, were, they, they didn't know if they were going to be able to complete the project. We helped them complete the project. We sent $10,000. That church is now 50% larger since the time we sent that check, 50% larger. That's part of your reward. We had a church planner in, uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, we, we sent them $7,000, just wrote the check. I just can't tell you what it feels like as a pastor to be able to say yes in these specific areas and see incredible, incredible differences made in the lives of these people. On an international level, we have our own mission. So we have mission partners, but then we have our own Connect Caribbean Mission. So many things I could say about this, but uh, probably by the end of first quarter, we'll have approximately 500 is that right? 500 sponsored kids. Where's Pastor Jerry? Somewhere in the room. 500 sponsored kids. Just to give you a contrast, uh, about five years ago, we only had 70 kids. By the end, Pastor Jerry's doing all the numbers, and, but basically the, the general, the gist of it is somewhere between the end of 2023 and the first quarter of 2024, we believe it will be over 1,000. Because we have a model that's kind of breaking new ground and it's very multiplicative. And because we have resources to be able to sow into it that we didn't have before. Are you with me? In addition to that, we're helping pastors. We did two training events and we sponsored these events financially. So we are launching Hope Centers. We're sponsoring kids. We're doing missions trips from our church, four to six mission trips a year. But all our partner churches are doing mission trips as well. So it's starting to get very busy down there in the Dominican Republic. But in addition to that, we don't want to just do things with kids, but then those kids don't have healthy churches to go to. So we started a new initiative where now we're helping the local church by pouring into pastors just like we do here in the United States. Now we're doing that in the Dominican Republic, and we sponsored two of those events this last year, and they went incredibly well. So just giving you an example, we provided medical care, dental care for a lot of our Hope Centers. Things are going really good there. One of our partners in the Dominican Republic is called One Child. Some of you have, are sponsoring a kid. Many of you sponsor a kid in this church on a monthly basis. And One Child facilitates the relationship between you, the sponsor, and the child. And that particular organization 
uh, has enabled us to multiply faster. So we get to do on the field work. We get to multiply uh, our leadership and our relationships down there and do a lot of things that we wouldn't be able to do because we were spending so much time on the administration of the communication between sponsor and between child. But they help us do that. That particular organization that we partner with uh, sponsors 46,000 kids worldwide, most of them in Latin American countries. And so you are a part of that when you sow into this ministry. Are you with me? Uh, other things we did this last year. Is this awesome to hear, by the way? Are you guys like this? Okay. So we gave uh, Ukraine, which is at war. Um, so much I can say about this, but, but when, they, when the need surfaced and the news was blowing up, um, we didn't just randomly give money. God set our church up, and I, I didn't know what he was doing, but prior to the war breaking out, God opened a door for your pastor to be able to go in and coach um, Slavic communities that are trying to transition their churches from traditional, very, uh, let's call them religious churches, to be able to reach the next generation, which is primarily English-speaking. In fact, we've experienced that here with the Brazilian community, for example. It's old school, but the new school basically wants to leave because they don't, they, they're looking for something different, something, something they want to speak English. They don't necessarily want to speak Portuguese in their churches. And so they're going and they're not receiving because they're the next generation. Well, the, the Slavics are experiencing the same thing. And so they basically said, can you help us transition our churches? So I started doing some training, and that opened a door to be able to connect with the church in Sacramento, California, which is the second largest Slavic church in the United States. There's probably about 400 of them in the United States. And that church was a hub to get resources right into Ukraine, not, on the, not in Poland, not on the border, but literally deliver food and resources to people right inside the country because of their relationships. Their church is 70% Ukrainian. And so that church, I just spoke at that church last weekend, everybody. And so God has given us incredible opportunity to sow seed, but sow it strategically where it's making the highest possible impact. And that was a hub for the rest of the country. And missionaries were taking all the resources directly into the country. We gave $12,000 to that just on the spot when that whole thing came about. Isn't that awesome? I got to do one more and I'm going to get out of this whole thing. Uh, we have another partner in Pakistan, Consuming Fire Ministries. Some of you know we've been doing this for a, quite a while now. Uh, Pastor John and his wife will be here in 2023. Um, but we have done tons of stuff. We've, we've helped kids get free from slavery, the brick kilns of slavery. We've been releasing children for, and families for many years for that. Uh, we... Um, we have done events, major conferences. His first event, I remember when we first were in a relationship, was 8,000. Now he has, uh, he has events and conferences and crusades with over 200,000 people in attendance. And then he's on TV all the time. He's actually famous in Pakistan. And he has our church, our ministry. I, my face is on TV every single week. When we're here, we're in front of hundreds of thousands of people uh, throughout that country and the surrounding countries through major television networks with a regular contribution, which is crazy how low it is to be able to have such a high impact. But we've been giving money to that organization for many years. We also train leaders and pastors. Next Tuesday, this next Tuesday, I'll do an online training for 2,500 pastors. 2,500 pastors. That wouldn't be possible if you didn't tie to this church. Okay? And so because you do, we're able to say yes to those high-impact things. I want you to know when you give to this church, you are receiving a high reward in the kingdom of God. You are making a difference. Your faithful giving and our faithful stewardship, we get to do some incredible things locally, domestically, and nationally, and that fires me up. 
that fires me up. Doesn't that feel good? Amen. All right, let's get into today's message. That was my, that was my announcements. I just preached my announcements. All right, I want to talk today not about, you know, the simple system and talk about tithing. And last week, Pastor Derek had four, pa- Pastor Devin had four awesome principles. One of them was on perspective on money and, you know, and practices for money. And it was f- fantastic, purposes of money. It was awesome. Today, I want to talk about how you see sowing. Today's message is called Sunday Best, but it's about how to see sowing. And there's a secret that I've learned later in ministry and later in life that I want to share with you that I've only shared a couple of times maybe ever, and it's kind of about the motivation for giving. I want to talk about the motivation for it. And, and I'll say it like this. I mentioned earlier I went to church when I was a boy, but I didn't always go to church for the right reasons, the right motive. When I was going to church when I was younger, I went to church because I didn't want to go to hell. That's how they said it. And, and so I, I, you got to do, and, and we were taught things that we were supposed to do and things that we were not supposed to do. And those were all right. They were right, but they had the wrong reasons behind them a lot of times. And I, I was doing the things, sort of, not really. I would do right, but I didn't want to do right. Are you with me, everybody? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, like, I went to that church. I, I had that same experience, Okay. I, I did it, but I didn't want to do it. Like it's, like it's like the speeding laws. Like, I did it, but I don't want to s- not speed. As soon as the cop leaves, what do you do? Okay. So God has set up a, a way where it's not a got to, it's a get to. God has built something in where it's not a have to, it's a want to. He wants to give you the want to, okay? And so I think things have gone wrong. Uh, in, in how we attend church and why we serve God. But I don't know that there's ever been a place where we've seen it wrong more than when it comes to the subject of money. First right. John chapter 5, verse 3 says, The commandments of God are not burdensome. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Right. That means if they are burdensome, something's wrong. Right. It's quiet in this Catholic church right now. It feels like... <laughs> What's he doing? He's setting up a softball or something. I'm just trying to get you to see that, that there's, there's got to be a different reason. Like if it's, if it's a burden to be generous and not a blessing, something's wrong. And I would say there's a motivation issue, and God wants to heal that. So before you see giving right, it's in, in a sense, how you feel affects how you see, affects how you use what he gives you. God wants you to feel right about it. Really? Yeah, he does. And so my daddy taught me, you know, these contrasting things to help me see it clearly. He would say, you know, giving is, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. Amen. You know, it's, it's not a legal thing. I have to. It's a lifestyle thing. Right. He would say, it's not a debt I owe. It's a seed I sow. Amen. Right? It was different back then, okay? And so I want you to see these things right because there's a difference and I don't know that there's a place where the burden shows up more. So I'm going to give you three principles for generosity. All right? You ready? Okay, the first one is, and it deals with the motivation thing. God wants you to want to be generous. Can I have more amens in this church? Is this 11 o'clock struggling? God wants you to want to. Okay, want to. Uh, I, I spoke in a Slavic church. I don't, want it, I don't want it to be as stoic as that. Okay, this is my church. We are a talkback church here. Okay? Here's what the Bible says in Philippians 2.13. I'm going to read two translations for you. It says, Look at this. This is amazing. It says, God is working in you. Who's working in you? 
So God is working in you. And then it says to make you do two things. So God does it. And what God does is two things. He makes you willing and able. Willing and able. So if you don't have the want to, I want you to know something. God wants to give you the power to want to. And he wants you to want to and to be willing to. I'll read it from another translation. I love it from the, the NLT, New Living Translation. For It says this, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So he wants to give you the desire to do what pleases him. And specific to being generous, he wants to give you the desire and willingness to want to give and to be generous. So if you don't feel that, if you don't have, if you don't think you have the ability, and if you don't certainly feel like you have the desire, this is what I would give you as a personal point of in advice. You have to ask him for it. Ask him. See, some of you think, oh, I don't have the gift of giving. That's not my thing. Have you asked him? I don't, I don't have that desire. Ask him for that desire. He will. He will give you that. He'll give you desire. Now, I'll say this. When you got saved, you know, that should, a byproduct of being saved is you, you, should, you should begin to want to do that. But sometimes we have to learn a little bit about that, okay? So he doesn't want you to give just because of need. He does, that, to me, that's the lowest reason to give. Need. I, I, gave, to, I gave to this because they needed it. That's the lowest level. I gave because I felt like I had to. Obligate. That's the terrible reason to give. Okay? That's not the best reason. God wants you to give because you got a why. A why I give. There's a motivation behind that. It's bigger than that. So God isn't just looking for you to do something that's right. He's looking for you to do something with the right heart. Amen. This is better preaching than your amen it, okay? But anyway, let me unpack a large, large and in charge example. This is from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. This references the largest single offering in the history, maybe of humanity, but certainly uh, in the Bible. And King David is involved, and he feels a burden, which is a lot of times what happens. God gives you a burden. Like he just, you feel like, oh, sometimes you listen to, I'll listen to somebody. I just listened to somebody in the last service, and I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted me, I want you to, I want you to do something for them. I want you to, and I just, I'm, I'm going to be generous to this person. I don't know exactly how it's all going to manifest because I sometimes ask them to confirm it, but it just happened. I got a burden for somebody, hearing their story, hearing their testimony. They had no idea what they were saying to me. So don't come up to me and give me your burden because I'm not going <laughs> to do it for everybody. Praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> is that how you do it? No, that's not how you do it. All right. So Pastor, uh, King David has a burden. That's funny. King David has a burden because he's going out of his nice house, and he looks and he sees God doesn't have a house. God's living in a box back then. He's being, he's being carried around in a box, and, and, and he's being, he's being, people are coming to worship in a pop-up tent. And can I just say something? There's a place for that, and there's a season for that. Right now, TC is a pop-up tent. Eventually, it's going to need its own place. Yeah. Framingham has been a, has been, was a set-up teardown. Now it's in a building, and we're getting ready to purchase that building in Jesus' name. That's coming. That's coming. It's coming. Okay? So David had a similar burden. And by the way, I'm going to need your help with that in Jesus' name to pay for that monster. But anyway, that's another story. So, so David gets this burden for this, and David does something that a lot of people don't do. He leads from the front. And he gives of his own personal resources the biggest offering I've ever heard of, certainly in the Bible. Listen, he was a wealthy man, but he gave $21 billion. I'm not, I'm not misquoting that, okay? That's what theologians have studied, his, his, the resources that he had. And this man gave a lot of money. Now, he must have been loaded, okay? 
But let's, let me just insert something personal for you, okay? My wife and I, um, I think it's important for you to know because I think a lot of people go to other churches and people talk about money and the people that are talking about the money are not actually practicing the same things that you're talking about. So I'm just saying, I don't know if you, if you doubt it, <clears throat> but I think there'll be people in here, board members or, or finance people that would, would challenge this and I'd be a facade, but for 30 years I've been a tither in this church, okay? And <clears throat> for the same amount of time, my wife and I, proportionate to our income, have been major contributors. And there's never been an offering, and I don't know if this will always be the case, but I think it will. There's never been an offering like this that we haven't participated in. So we're all in. I just want you to know uh, we lead from the front. Now, I'm not telling you that to motivate you, to get you to see, oh, how awesome Pastor Derek and Stacey are. I'm telling you that because I want to inspire you with it has brought so much joy. It has brought so much value to my life, so much transformation in my life. Every single time I've participated in this, it has taken our relationship with God to another level. And I want you to catch that same joy. That's why I tell you that. I tell you that for integrity, and I tell you that for the invitation to be affected in the same way. And that's why David did it, because that's what the Bible says. He said in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 3, it says, I set my affection on the house of my God. Hashtag, I love my church. <laughs> By the way, if you want your affection to be on the house of God, and it's not, this is how you do it. I've already taught it. You tithe. That's right. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Yeah doesn't say where your heart is, then your treasure will fall. It says put your treasure in there, and then your heart will follow. So David was a tither. He set his affection on the house of his God. And then it says, I have given to the house of my God over and above that. So he gave, and in this case, it was a large offering that I had prepared. He prepared it. He didn't react to it. He didn't do it impulsively. He didn't do it compulsively. He didn't do it under compulsion from a pastor or from some other person. He prepared to bring this offering for the holy house of my, of, from my own special treasure. Then, because he did it that way, then because he set his affections right, he said, who else? Who else wants to join me? That's what I'm saying. I see where you're going with this, Pastor. I'm saying... Who else would like to join Stacey and I in this incredible opportunity where we get to invest in the kingdom of God through the local church, effectuating such change that I just mentioned before, how much more could we all do together if we brought a sacrificial offering? Then the Bible says, then, everybody say then. Then, then it says all the people, the leaders, the officers, the commanders, all these different people, it says they all gave willingly, willingly. To, to, they gave toward the work on the, the temple of God. Skipping down, it says, the people rejoiced at the willing response because everybody was doing it. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And David responds to that in verse 17 and says, man, all these things I've given willingly and with honest intent, now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. See, this is the heart of a giver. The heart of a giver isn't I have to, I got to. It's I get to. Yeah. I think giving should be one of the highest joys in our, in our Christian experience. Yeah. In, some respects, in some respects, shame on me for not giving you more opportunities. A lot of stuff we just cover. Sometimes I, I, I shortchange, I haven't said this in the previous services, but sometimes I think I shortchange my kids by my generosity. I don't give them the opportunity to be generous and let them pay for the old man's meal once in a while. <laughs> 
Are you, are you cracking with me right now? They're scared right now. They're nervous about the changes that are coming. Now that you're out of the house, praise the Lord. Looking for a return on my investment. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12 says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. So I'm just trying to get you to see God is looking for the heart. If the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. So if the willingness is not there, maybe the gift isn't quite as acceptable. You think God wants you to give something because you have to? I think he's like, keep it. Keep it. If you think that, that's how I feel. If you think I'm after you to tithe or I'm after you to bring an offering because I need something, keep it. But I would say, give it somewhere else where you trust. Give it somewhere else where you think it's good soil. I would say, go somewhere else where you can trust the pastor wants what's best for you. But if that's not the case, then I'm telling you it's an opportunity that you have right now. So now I want to talk about the second point is, uh, number two, you don't need, you guys getting something out of this? Okay, the second point is you don't need seed, but you need to sow. You don't need seed, but you need to sow. So here, let me unpack that. There are these unbreakable laws in the scriptures, and one of them is what's called seed time and harvest. And it start, stems all the way back in the book of Genesis in the beginning. Seed time and harvest. It will always be there, and it will always, it, it will always be there, and it will always work. Listen, if we work it right. This is what a lot of pastors don't teach. They teach it works, but they don't teach how to work it. How to work seed time and harvest. And, and that's why people don't get the results that they're supposed to get, because they're not... I don't think they're teaching completely or comprehensively this principle. So let me unpack a few, I like to call them heavy revies about seed time and harvest. Are you with me, everybody? So I think it works every time if we do it right every time. All right, let me, let me, let me go there. So 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 through 11, it says, Now he, that's God, supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So let's break that part down real quick. He gives you seed to sow, and he gives you bread for your food. So every time you get paid, in a nutshell, some of it is seed to be sown, and some of it is bread for food. Some of it is for you to help other people. Some of it is for you to make sure you're taken care of. Is everybody getting? That's what this, that's what this law is telling us. So he provides seed to the sow. He provides bread for food. Then the Bible goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 9, and then, everybody say then, parentheses, if you sow, because it's talking about sowing, he will supply and increase your bread. Doesn't say that. Then, if you sow, he will supply and increase your seed. I need you to pay attention because I'm going to give you some life-changing information right here. He doesn't multiply or increase your bread. He multiplies and increases your seed. See, God set up a system in addition to the tithe for you to prosper where he's, he's got to get it through you. He's not gonna, he can get it to you, but he's trying to get it through you. And as he gets it through you, he'll get more through you as you let it go through you. Are you with me, everybody? So he provides more seed. And then uh, how do, what does he multiply? He multiplies your seed, and then he enlarges the harvest of your righteousness. So you will be enriched in every way. You'll have everything you need. And so that you can be generous on every, case, on every occasion, you can say yes to Ukraine and Florida. And you can say yes to church planners and other parts. You can say yes to all those things. You can say yes to the legacy offering. You can say yes to the Christmas tree thing. You can say yes to your mother in another country who has a need. You can say yes because God has supplied seed for you because you've been sowing for him. 
Oh, my God, this is so good. Thank you, Jesus. So he gives you seed and bread. He doesn't multiply the bread. He multiplies the seed. Now, here's some principles here. He doesn't just multiply random seed. Listen, he, oh, uh, there's an opportunity. Oh, what do I got in my pocket? Oh, yeah, I got a few bucks. I'll just give these few bucks that are in my pocket. Oh, 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 oh I, I got a few bucks in my bloomers in my drawer. I got a few bucks in my socks. That's random. See, David prepared. God wants you to be, wants you to prepare to give. He wants you to be strategic uh, when you give. So when you're going through the grocery line, See, I don't feel compulsion. I'm not saying I won't, and I haven't given to those things when somebody asks you. But because I've already sown, not randomly, but strategically, I feel released from those things. Right, right, good, right. So I'm not throwing seed away. Here's another revelation. I'm not throwing it away. I'm sowing it in a certain way. Right. A certain way. So he provides seed to the sower so that you sow in a certain way, not just into the air. A farmer doesn't get a certain amount of seed. And say, um, okay, I got to get a harvest. Uh, anybody got a fan? Oh, you got a fan? Good. <laughs> no, 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 no. He gets his seed and he prepares the soil. He makes sure that soil is good soil. It's already been tilled. It's already ready. He gets these rows ready for him to actually physically plant these seeds in there. See, a lot of us aren't looking at how we sow. We're just like, oh, I do a little bit here and I do a little bit there. It's so good for you to go deep and long with certain partners and people so you can get the highest possible return on the limited seed that you have. So you're not just throwing it in a seed away. You're, throwing, you're sowing it in a certain way. And then multiplication only happens when you sow strategically. Farmers sow in a row. In a row. Farmers sow in good soil. And then it produces and then it multiplies. So, so that you can buy a Mercedes? No. It's not saying you can't have one, but it's so that you can be generous. Right. So that one of the, that's why you tithe first because your heart will be consecrated. So it won't be I get more, I, I want more, so I can get more for myself. God wants you to enjoy life, but He wants you also to have the heart of a giver because He's always about people. The greatest Amen. investment in kingdom in the kingdom of God is people. The only investment that's right. eternal is people, and the only organization that is preoccupied with that investment is the Church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? Yep. amen, 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 amen. All right, here's the scary part. Everybody say scary part. When you sow seed, you have to put it in the ground, bury it. You got to bury that seed. In other words, you put that seed in the ground, you bury it, and now you can't see it. You got to put it there, and you got to walk away. You got to let it go if it's going to grow. You got to let it go if it's going to grow. And a lot of people have a hard time with this. We want to control it. We want to see how that investment is going to come back. We want to manage that. That's the part you don't manage. That's the part you let God manage. You sow it, you bury it, and then you release it. Are you with me, everybody? And so these principles, um, you know, that I put in place, it's, it's like, I, I, I want to see it. No, you can't see it. Sown seed can't be seen. So this principle for multiplication a lot of times isn't, isn't like the world, get all you can, can all you can, sit on your can. It's for, in order for God to do anything, we have, if God can, we have to sow it. We have to sow it. Amen? All right, my last point. Everybody say last point. It's my favorite point. Uh, when you are grateful, you will be generous. I'm assuming I get time back because of all the activities that happened earlier in the service today. So I'm not going to rush too much, okay? 
This particular point is huge, okay? You will be generous if you have and figure out this gratitude thing. Grateful people are generous people. People who who are not generous typically are not living grateful lives. Just think about it. If you're struggling with generosity, you have a gratitude problem. Let me say it like this. You're born, I said this earlier, you're born selfish. Mine, 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 mine. One of our first things. Gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy when you're a toddler. It never stops. When you're born again, you're born to be generous. See, God is generous. God gave. He gave his son. That was his tithe to humanity to save and rescue all of us. No, not, not, no certainty that he would get the, 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 the return, but he invested it in faith. His first fruits offering into humanity. Okay? So this whole idea of, of being selfish or generous, when you're born again, you have to, though, act on your new identity. Your new identity in Christ, you have to act on that. And, and one of the things that motivates you to act on it is a revelation of how much he's done for you, how much you've been forgiven. Amen. So there's a story in the Bible about two natures. You could say two spirits, spirit of God, spirit of man, and you could say two natures, generous or selfish. Whenever you see God, I want you to think that first letter is, stands for generous. Whenever you see Satan, the first letter stands for selfish. Selfish. These two spirits are always at work. In a moment that we're going to have in a little while, both these spirits, both these natures will be in the room. Oh, listen to me. I'm speaking. God's speaking to you. The voices are going on at the same time. In this particular story in John chapter 12, it's a story many of you have heard. It's the woman with the alabaster jar. It's the woman with this expensive perfume. And the Bible says that that there was a meal taking place, and Lazarus was there, and and he was hosting a meal in Jesus' honor. And Jesus came to this meal, and, and, and they're all reclining at the table, enjoying this meal. And the woman comes in, Mary, and she comes in with this expensive perfume. In other portions of Scripture... It reveals different details sometimes about the same story. And it reveals that it was one year's wages. God, that's so much in this bottle. I want you to just take a second and think about your annual wages. Would you just please? Is it 30,000? I doubt it. Is it 50,000? Is it 85,000? Is it 150,000? Is it 200,000? Some of you make much more than that. One year. In this offering, she brings. Just picture that. And she pours it all out on Jesus' feet. And she wipes his feet with her hair and her tears. And she's overwhelmed with gratitude. Nobody really knows what's going on but Jesus. But the other spirit decides to evaluate what is happening and says, this is a complete waste. All of this should have been given to the poor. And of course, we know that's Judas, but Judas has the heart of Satan, a selfish heart. And he was a thief, the Bible tells us. And again, a lot of times when we're getting ready to do something extravagant and over and above and amazing for God, that voice will be speaking. What a waste. That's foolish. You should do this. You should do that. And it's the heart of a thief sometimes. It's not just stealing from others. It's stealing from you. The blessing and the joy that comes from giving. And this particular woman is worshiping God with her wages. And she pours this out. And the whole room is filled with the fragrant offering and a sacrificial offering and a presence 
That's what happens, by the way, when you get, I want that so bad for, for this church. I hate the bad press. I'm not. I hate the bad press. I hate the bad press that has corrupted, that has corrupted money and resources. Because you're getting so robbed. You're getting robbed of joy. You're getting robbed of going to another level in your relationship with God. And you're robbing so many other people. Because God provides seed to the sower. He multiplies your seed when you do it. And so this woman, it's worship. Everybody's worshiping God. The worship team can get behind me if they're not already there. They're worshiping. She's worshiping God. And right in the room, some are worshiping and some are not. She's worshiping. And Jesus says, this story, this experience will be told forever. This will be a memorial. He actually testifies. He calls it a memorial. Interestingly enough, she didn't know. What he knew is that six days later, he would be, he'd, he'd be on the cross. And, and after that buried, she was preparing him for burial. What could your offering do? that you don't know could happen? What could your offering be preparing for that you can't even see that is so much bigger than you? Little did she know she was preparing the Son of God, the Savior of humanity, to rescue all humanity for his burial and his soon coming resurrection. That seed was planted in the ground and it was buried. And it was buried and it bore the most mighty harvest that could ever be testified about because of her extravagant gift. Why did Mary do it, though? Because if you go back to John chapter 11, uh, Lazarus had died. Lazarus had died. And Jesus shows up late. And Mary and Martha were upset. But Mary witnessed, and Martha witnessed, Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, out of the tomb, take his tomb clothes off, and come from death to life. She witnessed that, and now she's at a party. Days later, weeks later, I can't remember, I think it's weeks later, and she walks in and she sees her brother. Lazarus was her brother. My brother was dead, and now he is alive. I can't just bring any praise. I can't just bring any offering because he was dead and now he's alive. I got to bring my best gift to God, my most sacrificial gift to God. He was once here, but now he's here. He was once dead, but he's now alive. This is my reasonable response for that. And you say, well, pastor, that's great. She was so overwhelmed with gratitude. That's why she did it. I get it. That's good for her. But what about me? I would just say, you've forgotten. I would just say, you need, you need to remember what Jesus has done for you. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it says it like this. When you were spiritually dead, you forget. Though you might not have physically died, you were spiritually dead. Amen. What does that mean? Yeah. It means you were on death row. When yeah. you draw your last breath, you're not, it's not, uh, you know, uh, pass, go, c- collect $200, go see Jesus. 
That's not what your, that was not your eternal destiny. You were spiritually dead and you were destined to be separated from God forever. But because of what Jesus did for you, because God the Father tithed his son, gave his son as an offering, and you accepted what he did for you, you are not spiritually dead because of your sins, but you've been set free from the power of your sinful self. And God made you alive in Christ and he forgave all of your sins. You have a new mind because of Christ Jesus. You have a new identity because of Christ Jesus. You have a spiritual family. Do you know how rich you are? Can I just tell you something? I'm going to brag on this church. This is, my, this is our church, not my church. You are so blessed. You are rich because you have friends to your right or to your left because you have a spiritual family where you receive spiritual nourishment and community and the opportunity to grow and even the opportunity to give. You're rich. I think sometimes we forget. He, he's removed your past, your guilt, your shame and all of that victimization because of what Jesus did for you. Some of you know what it's like to get a second chance when you almost lost your life. Well, you, your life was lost before you met Jesus. And because of that, you should be grateful. You should be grateful. Will you stand your feet and let me pray for you? Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank God. Listen. Hopefully you received a fresh motivation a new trust in the law of sowing and reaping. And somehow, someway, I don't know how, you're grateful. When you come, and let me clarify, you don't have to come. If you hear me saying you have, everybody has to get out of their seat and come down, don't hear me saying that. Some of you can't give this year, you'll give next year. I know that. I, that's okay. That's okay. Please. Don't, I'll, I will not look at you any differently. God doesn't. But I am asking you, in this worship song, if you haven't already, when we begin to sing, it's about gratitude. Will you, will you do what maybe you haven't done yet? Will you just ask God, what should I do? What should my offering be? And then when that happens, and some of you, by the way, listen, I said this in the first service under the unction of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say it repetitively now. Some of you already made up your mind, but you didn't talk to God about it. Listen as your pastor. Shame on you. Shame on you. Don't make a decision of your own volition. Don't just do it because what you think is best. Pray. Talk to God. What did he say? If you do what he says, I promise you it'll be blessed. It'll be blessed. Don't do what you say. Get that control off it and ask God to speak to you. I believe in this service, if you haven't done it already and you ask him, he'll speak to you. He did that last service. One person already had made up a decision. The Holy Spirit said, you didn't talk to me about that. This is what I think. This is what I'm saying. Then he went right over to his wife. She said, mm-hmm, and they did it. They changed it. Some of you need to do that. But I'm asking, when you come with your commitment, you're going to get out of your seat. I want you to envision this story. It's as if you're coming and presenting your alabaster jar to Jesus. Now, it's not the same. we got connection boxes right here, and we got a piece of paper in our hand, and I know it's not the same. I'm saying in your heart, that's what it's like. Don't just drop this card in the slot like it's, an, like it's a piece of mail in a mailbox. This is worship. This is worship. You might need to stop for a second and just go, God, thank you. Thank you that I can even sow. Thank you for providing seed that I can sow. I look at the seed and I say, there's no way it's going to multiply if I don't put it in soil. Thank you, God, that I get to do that. In Jesus' name, put that in. You pause for a second. This is worship, okay? With every head bowed, every eye closed. Some of you might have a physical offering. You put it in the blue envelope. I forgot to say that. And if you're online, you can participate right where you are. You just go right to the website. You can just give under the legacy 
tab and you can do that and you're with us symbolically in heart some you can't be here you can do that right where you are god will bless you god will bless you right where you are there's no distance in this this is a, this is the heart of a giver it's the heart of a giver so father for every person in this room with every head bowed every eye closed i pray the spirit of god do what i can't do from this point forward that you witness to their heart that this is if anything is Derek fry lord remove it in jesus name anything that is of god May it stick like Velcro to their heart. They can't shake it. Holy Spirit, I pray you speak to people in this room. Maybe it's the first time they heard the voice of God in a long time. Maybe it's the first time they asked God in a long time. Speak to every heart and then just do what he says. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, 